What are the most important steps that healthcare organizations can be doing to prevent and detect data breaches? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. It's my privilege to be speaking today with David Zabo. He's an attorney with Edwards Wildman Palmer, LLP. David, thanks so much for joining me today. You're quite welcome. To get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about your firm, yourself, and your role with the firm? Sure, I'm happy to. Well, Edwards Wildman is a national law firm, and actually I should say international law firm, including offices in London and Hong Kong. But we have a large practices in both uh, data breach uh, response, privacy protection, and healthcare. And I, my own practice focuses on the healthcare industry, but a large part of it has to do with HIPAA, uh, privacy, information security, and implementation of projects that uh, fall under HIPAA regulations. Well, you mentioned HIPAA, David, and as you know, there's a final version of the HIPAA breach notification rule expected sometime. Is there anything that healthcare organizations can be doing right now to prepare for the rule? Well, absolutely, and I, I think the, you know, we've been living under the interim final rule for breach notification for some time. And while there's certainly been a lot of speculation and rumors about what might get changed uh, when the government gets around to issuing the final, final version of the rule, you know, we have to remember that we're operating under an effective rule today, um, as long, and, and for most healthcare providers, also have to comply with various state laws about data breach notification. So, you know, they have to be geared up right now. And a big part of it in terms of preparation, especially in prevention, really um, has to do with the fundamentals of information security. And healthcare providers and plans and clearinghouses have been living with the information security rule for some time because really security is what it's all about in terms of detecting and preventing breaches. So they really need to go back to the basics of the security rule and make sure that they're prepared to implement those things. I think the second piece that goes beyond security is really having a plan for breach notification, mitigation, and response so that you're not starting at ground zero when you hear, oh, a laptop has been stolen or there's been a failure in terms of a website or we've been the subject of an attack, and then figuring out who you're going to call and what you're going to do. So I think the, f the first phase is sound information security. The second phase is a contingency plan when, unfortunately, when things do go wrong, either because of technical error, human error, or you're the victim of an attack. So, David, in the meantime, what do you see as maybe the three most important steps that organizations can take to, to prevent breaches, as well as the most important steps for detecting them? Yeah, well, I think that especially in terms of prevention, one of the things that organizations should be looking at is w what's happening to other people. And that information is available in terms of state reports from the federal government, from state agencies that are administering state data breach laws. The first thing I would mention to people is there's a huge risk area around laptops and other portable devices that carry a lot of data. You know, organizations, even if when it's not legally required, really need to be looking at, say, an encryption of all laptops that can leave a facility with protected health information or personal information. They should also reassess their policies about how much information really employees need to take off the premises outside of, you know, the kind of the physical envelope of, secu of a secure facility because that's another factor of risk. Employees taking in good faith information they don't need to take with them 
or when they need to take information, taking too much information and exposing that information to risk. So I think the whole issue of, of portable devices is one that organizations really need to look at hard. I think, secondly, there are still enormous risks in the healthcare world with paper records. A major medical center had to pay a substantial settlement to the government because an employee left paper records on a subway train, had sensitive information about patients, and that information was lost. So we shouldn't get too wrapped up in just thinking about computers and technical things. Paper records can also be at risk simply because of the good faith errors and omissions of employees. You know, I think another really major area in terms of both prevention and detection, and it's difficult, is to have regular relevant training that takes into account the human factors where things can go wrong. Secure People have to be trained to understand the policies of the organization, and they have to be trained about common sense safeguards that they can follow to avoid breaches or the misuse of information. So, you know, the, there's the old rule about real estate, that if you want to understand real estate, you have to understand three rules, location, location, location. I would say to implement security, you have to do three things, training, training, and training. And really, that's probably some of the most important things that people can do today. Great insight. Another topic altogether. Now, I understand you've worked with several hospitals that are hosting electronic health record services for the area physicians. What do you find to be the key HIPAA compliance or breach prevention issues that are raised when hosting EHRs for physicians using the cloud computing model? And how are these hospitals you've worked with addressed these issues? Well, that's a great question. And I, I think a lot of it can vary on exactly how the system is set up, what the architecture is, what the various responsibilities of people are. But I would say in general what you find in a lot of these situations is there may be, for example, a data center, either at a hospital or off-site, that's probably a highly secure facility. So it's relatively easy for, say, a hospital, if it's well-funded and it has a strong IT department, to set up a secure data center that, generally speaking, is going to have a very great capability to protect that information. But for the information to be useful, obviously, it has to be pushed out to the sites of care. The sites of care have to be able to put information back into the secure data center. So then you have basically all of these remote locations of use. You know, each medical practice and maybe each medical practice has several offices, and they have to have ready access to the data to make it useful. Typically, you have more of the vulnerability is out at the remote sites where you may have a variety of employees, full-time employees, part-time employees, accessing data in different ways, looking for the most efficient ways to move information from place to place. And you also have people that may have access, because of the power of these systems, to a lot of information, but without a full appreciation of the risks that this information can create. I'll give you a couple of examples. One of my clients, you had to deal with a very serious problem because an employee, in good faith, just trying to do their job, was moving a lot of information manually from office to office. Car was broken into the computer bag was stolen, and a lot of information that wasn't properly protected was lost. Another example came because of an employee of a practice decided it would be useful for administrative purposes to look at the medical records of an employee, and they were able to do that because of an information system that was set up and hosted by a hospital, and they looked at an employee's medical record 
for an employment-related purpose, a clear HIPAA violation that was enabled by technology. And in both of those cases, there were breaches and there was breach notification that had to be carried out. And in both cases, there were serious consequences for healthcare providers. Employees were disciplined in one case, an employee was discharged, and a lot of needless cost, expense, and heartache for a lot of people, in part because people didn't appreciate either the risks or the power of the technology that they, uh, they were using, and the organizations really weren't fully prepared to prevent those events from occurring. David, you've been involved in the formation of a statewide health information exchange in Massachusetts. What do you see as the major privacy and security challenges that HIEs face, and what do you see as the key to winning patients' confidence for health information exchange? Well, those are great questions. I think one of the, the big challenges faced by the states right now is that there are a variety, depending on different what state you're in, a variety of state laws that have been passed to protect the privacy of information, but those laws were really written in an era before the advent of electronic records, uh, before the power and value of data exchange was uh, fully realized. In other words, laws, for example, governing the disclosure of an HIV test result may have been written quite appropriately for an era of paper records, but really didn't consider the improvements in care and efficiency and quality that could be uh, realized by the sharing of health data in a secure manner through a health information exchange. And simply because of the way these laws were drafted, and they exist in a great many states, and I've just picked out one example of dozens and dozens of laws that exist, the implementation of electronic exchange of medical information is made extremely difficult. I think it, it puts in the forefront the, the, one of the other issues that you just mentioned is patient trust. If in order to implement some of these systems, laws are going to have to be amended, or even simply the state is going to have to get involved in helping to implement these systems, obviously lawmakers and policymakers have to be satisfied that privacy is going to be protected, the security is going to be protected, and the public has to have enough of tr trust in how these systems are going to work so that they don't go to their legislature or go to their uh, governors and try to get these programs blocked or stopped. So I think having public trust and earning the public's trust is extremely important. I think one of the things that needs to be done in terms of public education and public understanding is focusing on some of the really powerful benefits of electronic health information and electronic health records, e-prescribing, and other kinds of systems in making care more available, in reducing medical errors, in making the right information available to the right, at the right place at the right time to make health care better and more affordable. I think that's a story that can be told to the public, but it's an effort to assemble that information to put it forward the right way. I think breach notification, which is the law now, is very important in terms of transparency and providing an incentive for people to do the right thing. I just hope it, at the same time, has an undercut public confidence that we can implement these important systems in the right way and doing it while protecting privacy and security. One last question for you. HIPAA compliance audits are coming this year. What are the most important steps that healthcare organizations can do to prepare for the audits? 
Well, I think there's a few things. Those audits, you're absolutely right, those audits are going to come. In large part, they're going to come because of breach notification. When OCR gets an electronic report that there's been a large data breach, the first thing they do is send out an inquiry letter for a potential privacy complaint. It's very likely that in many cases a security audit will follow. You know, it's a funny thing. One of the first things that happens with a government security audit is they have a checklist of standard questions. And the first thing they want to know is, who is the security officer, or if you don't formally have a security officer, the person who's in charge of information security? The second thing they want to see is, when was the last time you did an assessment of the risks of information security that your organization faces and how you've mediated those risks or mitigated those risks? Then they want to look at what are your policies and procedures, what are your administrative steps, the rules that you followed, what are the physical safeguards that you've implemented, what are the technical safeguards that you've implemented across your system in workstations, for portable devices, for access control. Basically, HIPAA Security 101. The issue is, hey, can you document that you have been doing those things and that you've been training your employees to those rules? If you're familiar with the security rule, it really then is a matter of blocking and tackling, lining up the tasks that need to be done and taking care of them, and demonstrating that you've been doing that to the government. If you can't demonstrate those things, if you don't have um, policies regarding portable devices, if you don't have policies regarding technical safeguards, it's going to become apparent very quickly to the government that you're just not taking information security seriously and you're not really ready to survive an information security audit. So I think it's really a question of marshalling the resources, having the commitment from the top of the organization to follow through and develop a program that is suited to your organization and then show that you've been communicating that to your employees and requiring training and actually implementing those policies in the real world. So unfortunately, there's no magic formula for it. It requires effort and resources, but I think it's a, it's, it's a challenge that organizations can meet if they plan ahead. Very good. David, thank you so much for your time and your insight today. You're quite welcome. I'm happy to talk to you. We've been talking about breach prevention and detection. We've been talking with David Zabo with Edwards Wildman Palmer, LLP. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.